Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill Free Agency Edition, uh, part two of however many, you know, man, free agency is been. However popular. long this, however many Kawhi decides this is going to be. Right. We're going <laughs> we're gonna to record one every day until Kawhi makes a decision. Um, let's talk about what has happened so far. Um, so free agency started the immediately like half of the east uh just swap point guards around uh first you had kemba to the celtics then you had Kyrie to the nets um and then jd to the nets um which opened up probably the weirdest deal so far i don't think that's controversial to say the weirdest deal so far is the sign-in trade to the warriors with um D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, that was For that sure was the like most out of nowhere. Right. Well, as soon as I saw the report that like eh, the Warriors are looking into this, I was just like, I don't. I'm not even going to spend time thinking about this because it's not going to happen. And then, you know, and, I, and then literally <laughs> like two minutes later, it was done. Like it wasn't like eh, it's you know more and more we might hear that this could happen. No, it was like two minutes later. Oh, this is happening. And I, it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. I also, I have no idea what the hell the Warriors are doing. Um, I like, I get on the surface that you're like, oh, well, we're losing Kevin Durant. We don't want to lose him for nothing. Um, we are actually in a position to do a sign and trade, which we can talk about that later with the Thunder because it is a different scenario. Um, but if you look at what they had to give up to get D'Angelo Russell on a max contract, and I was all for, like, I really love the idea of him going to the Lakers, but I was really never about them giving him a full max contract. I was kind of like, it seems like his market's dried up. Hopefully they can get him for like 20 or something. But no, they're paying D'Angelo Russell his full max for four years. They had to trade Andre Iguodala to pull the deal off. And they had to give up two first-round draft picks in the process. One to the Grizzlies for taking Iguodala and one to the Nets for agreeing to do the signing trade. So, like, it seems like an awful lot of value to give up just to be able to pay a guy that you might wind up being – you might wind up overpaying in in the end, right? Yeah. Like, I think their plan is they want to flip him for real value, but, like – that dude's going to have to go out there and ball the fuck out in order for them to be able to recoup the value that they gave up just to get him. Right. The thing is when you want when you flip him, you want to like, you know, take a beaten up asset and get more for it. But if you're giving this guy the max, you gave up stuff for him. Like that means to get better value for him, he has to become a guy like a Steph Curry type that is worth right. more than the you, max. Yeah, you are like, paying Russell is not going to become that. And gave up more. So he's got to be better than a max player to be worth it. Right. Well, and yeah, yes, absolutely. But like looking at the other options that they would have had, like don't, if you don't do this sign and trade um, or you could do a sign and trade and just acquire a huge trade exception, which is really, could be really valuable for them because they're, I mean, they're a really attractive place to play. Yeah. You get a player in a situation like, Jay Crowder is the one that immediately sticks out to me 
Playing in Memphis, making $8 million, he would easily fit inside that trade exception. Then yeah. you've got yourself a really good wing that would fit with the team really well. Mm-hmm. And you have kept Andre Iguodala, and you kept um, the two first-round draft picks that you had to give up. And to me, that is better value than in all likelihood what you're going to get from D'Angelo Russell. Right. Which is like the other aspect of this is that going through with the sign and trade obviously has hard capped them. Right. Um, and they are squeezing every, every ounce out of their hard cap roster payroll right now. Um, yeah. They, uh, they got a huge deal from Kavon Looney who signed like maybe 10 or $15 million under his value. Well, 15 is probably much, but certainly you know, seven to ten million dollars under his market value um, to stay with them, which um, because otherwise, like they like mathematically, they could not pay him that pay him what he was worth. Um, so he did them a huge favor. But even then, you know, they are losing uh, Jordan Bell. Um, they are certainly going to lose Sean Livingston. Um, just the. Um, and they're going to have to fill out this roster with minimums and like not even like 10 year vet minimums. Like they need young players who are getting right. like minimums off of like their first options being declined. Yeah. Well, and I think they've done a decent job. Like they've already signed a couple guys on that minimum. They got Willie Colley Stein from the Kings. Right. He's not a full vet minimum. Like he's not getting the full 2.3, like, like let's say a Raymond Felton got from the uh, from the Thunder last year. Yeah. They also got Glenn Robinson the third on a two year deal. Like I don't think those are bad moves, honestly. Like I kind of like both players in term, especially in that situation. I think that could be really good for them. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like they're really strapped, and I think that they honestly probably could have built built a more competitive team using all the assets that they could have gotten with a trade exception and just, you know, having Andre, Andre Iguodala is really freaking good at basketball. And I know he's old and he's not afraid to go out and kind of talk shit about the organization, but like Andre Iguodala is still incredibly good at basketball. And I think that losing him and giving up picks in order to be able to overpay D'Angelo Russell is just, it does not, it seems like a panic move to me. Like that's exactly what this seems like. And here's my thing is like, obviously you look at this compared to like just signing and trading Katie and getting back the trade exception. Like, is this a worse move than just having the cap space? Uh, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, they wouldn't have had cap space under the, they wouldn't have been under the cap losing KD. Right. Because but, they're paying KD or they're paying Steph and Clay so much. Right. You know what I mean? So like, I think, I think the move was getting the trade exception and then trying to go get like a disgruntled veteran, you know, on yeah. a team that he doesn't want to be on, you know, give up, you know, maybe you give up a first round pick to get that done, you know, like. Right. And absorb him into the trade exception. And then you're looking really good. I mean, if you're talking, if they really wanted a point guard, like if you have a trade exception, they could easily get Goran Dragic from Miami. Like absolutely right. that could happen for sure. Um, and he's maybe not quite the level that D'Angelo Russell is, but 
He's on an expiring contract, I think, and he's going to give you a little, just more flexibility moving forward. And I think that overall your team would be better next season. Right. And also just like talking about next season, like it just seems to me like a really strange move to overpay D'Angelo Russell and hard cap yourself while Clay Thompson is sitting out, eating up basically, you know, a third of your cap um, and can't play. Uh, right. Like they're not going to be good at the start of next season. Like they're going to have Steph and D'Lo and they're going to be able to shoot, but like they're going to be bad defensively and they're going to have no bench. Yeah, I think that's I, really what it comes down to lately is like they've been so built on big names and big stars in the past couple of years. Like they built up those names themselves for a while. But like I think it's really just, you know, while Clay's sitting out, they wanted another star to kind of I think it'll be a weird fit, obviously, but if there's one guy that can make anything work other than LeBron, like it's Steph Curry. And so I right. think like they'll it'll be a weird fit and it could be bad defensively, but I think they'll make it work long enough to where they won't be bad because it's the Warriors, and mm-hmm. they'll just kind of bide their time till Clay's back, and hopefully that I think you know their plan is to flip that asset for at least what it's worth eventually, whether it's you know as soon as Clay comes back, whether it's after the season, what have you. But I think it'll end up being fine because it's the Warriors. Right. Well, and I mean. The way I look at with D'Angelo Russell, too, is that, like, for this season, at least, like, they have another person to give the ball to, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it, w- it was looking like it was just going to be Steph is going to have to do everything, and now they can kind of maybe take some turns and do some stuff. I will say that Russell, the way he has played thus far in his career, is not at all like the Warriors like to play. Like he ran almost as many pick and rolls as the Warriors did last season himself. So like if the, unless the Warriors are just going to change and kind of cater to him, it is going to be hard to get like the best version of D'Angelo Russell. Um, But at the very least, it's a guy who was able to be a high usage player. Yeah, man. And like, okay, they're making the playoffs next year. Like I, you can mark it down. I'm calling it right now. They will make the playoffs. They have Steph Curry, maybe the best player in the league. If not, he's top three. He's top three player in the NBA. Um, Draymond Green, when focused, Draymond Green's going for the Supermax next year. Like, that dude's going to be playing his ass off. He's not going to be 30 pounds overweight midseason. He's going to be playing his ass off, trying to get that Supermax, winning try to win defensive player of the year. And when you've got the best version of Draymond Green and Steph Curry, like you're making the playoffs. I don't really care that much what else you have going on. Like you're making the playoffs with those two guys. Yeah. yeah I mean, you would think so. It's just, man, the West is going to be so deep it's gonna be next so year. Deep. And I mean, if, I mean, Steph's great, but if Draymond takes a step back athletically, if, anyone misses any sort of extended time like they just have right really no depth right now yeah who starts at small forward for them while clay is out uh i mean maybe anthony mckinney like i mean it's not it's not a great option like absolutely um but i'm just i i am telling you like steph curry is doesn't even have to really shoot the ball to make an effective offense on the court. You know what I mean? So like he's going to make D'Angelo Russell's life easier in all likelihood. 
So I expect D'Angelo Russell to play pretty well, honestly. Um, and just the fact that when you have Steph off the court, maybe they'll kind of – they could cater to Russell and just be like, all right, you get to run every pick and roll you want. Like get it out of your system now because when Steph's out here, this is not what we're doing. You know what I mean? And maybe that's a way to kind of survive – while Steph is on the bench. Because, yeah, I agree. It was going to be a humongous problem for them if Steph missed any time in just the minutes that he wasn't on the court. And all likelihood, it was going to be a massive problem. But now at least they have another guy capable of being high usage. Um, again, still, I think that they would have been better served, you know, going more with more depth and having a guy like Andre Iguodala on the team just to raise the ceiling for the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Like I think that, that in the end probably would be a better result than what they got. But at the very least, I think they have enough tools to be able to be it. They're going to be a playoff team. Yeah. I, I'm worried about the West next year. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be though. I got to say, I, w- I was kind of expecting the Timberwolves to somehow, get some stuff together and they have definitely not done that. So no, they're kind of running it back. They, they did add Noah Vonley. So very big time mm. signing for them. I'm sure that's who they wanted. Um, I, I do want to go ahead. I have another take about the Western conference. Here um, it goes. The Pelicans are not making the playoffs next year. Uh, yeah. With they're, people thinking this. I oh mean, yeah. I think, I think it's, I think it's, they're certainly in play for an eight seed. They're they're in play. I'm not going to argue that they're not in play. They're not like hopeless. Obviously, they're not making the playoffs next year. They they do not shoot well enough to make the playoffs, and they're going to be relying on guys that have never consistently been good NBA basketball players. Like we, I mean, I we expect Zion to be great, but even great rookies aren't that great, at least consistently. Like he'll have games yeah. where he's incredible. Like LeBron wasn't able to lead his team to the playoffs in his first year. Like. It is a very rare thing for a rookie to come in and be the best player on a team, lead him to the playoffs. Now they added Drew Hall, or they have Drew Holiday still. I love Drew Holiday; he's great. Um, I thought that Derek Favors signing was decent. Like he's a good basketball player at least, but at the same time, Doesn't it's not like shooting. that guy's. He's not spreading the floor at all. Like yeah. you're, you're gonna have a lot of guys surrounding Zion Williamson when he's in the paint. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, what does Derek Favors do? on the court with Zion. I mean, I think like he's just going to have to be like a traditional big, like that's what he is. Right. And so it's going to be on Zion to try to figure out how to fit around him, whether or rather than, you know, favors fitting around Zion, you know what I mean? And so that it's not the perfect fit, but like at the, you know, that's going to be a really good, you know, defensive front court. That's cool to see. But Ingram, never been a good shooter. Lonzo's like a 40% free throw shooter, and he hadn't made threes consistently in his career. And everybody's like, oh, well, but they got J.J. Redick. And I'm like, cool, but yeah. that's one guy. You yeah, J.J. Redick is going to be able to shoot till the end of time, but he's in his 30s. He was never a good defender. Like, Right. He's, I mean, he's going to help the team. I don't think, I think it was a good move. Absolutely. But to say that JJ Redick is fixing their spacing problems is just not correct. Like yeah. Redick and Holiday, they can't do it themselves. And like, it's not like Holiday is a knockdown guy. Like he's a good shooter, but he's not like, they don't have two JJ Reddicks out there. He shot like, what, 34% last year? Did Holiday? Yeah, it wasn't great last year. Etwan Moore was 
great last year. You shot forty three percent last year. Yeah, that's that's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they like they have guys. They have some guys that can shoot it, but like in terms of the young core that everybody is just falling in love with, they don't have guys that can shoot, right? And you would assume that they're going to want to play those young guys and get them a lot of minutes, right? I'm assuming yeah, right. they're not just going to be like full on, oh, if you can't if you can't take us to the playoffs, you're not going to play Brandon Ingram. Like I don't think that that's going to be the case, like or at least it shouldn't be. Like they right. really especially with Ingram, they need to know that he can be a guy that they want to pay cuz he's going to be up for a contract next year. And so they need to have a firm idea right. of they how need good to, he yeah. is. They, they, they're going to need to have to understand what Ingram at the four, Zion at the five looks like, and if that works. Because that, like, the long-term future of the franchise, that has to work. If right. it's a piece you build around. Yeah, well, and he, just, he just has to prove for the first time in his career that he can shoot. Like, and he right. just has never done it. Like, he has shown a lot of strides as an initiator and a guy that's gotten to the rim a little bit better and finished like, and he's shown a lot of strides defensively. Like that's cool. But that dude has shown no signs of being a guy. That's like a really good complimentary piece. You know what I mean? So there I am caught, like I'm telling you right now, the Pelicans are not making the playoffs. I like every single move that they've made. I think objectively they've all been the right move. And in a vacuum, it's been like great move after great move. But they have not set themselves up to be this like automatic playoff team next season by any means. I didn't like drafting Jackson Hayes, but other than that, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the West is just, it's going to be crazy. I mean, you can legitimately say like 12, maybe 13 of these teams have a shot at the right. playoffs. They're so, like, right. yeah. They're, I, like, there are like six or seven. Like, there might be eight teams in the West who would be home seed playoff teams in the East. Yeah, no, there's a lot. Like, I mean, look at, I mean, Minnesota is probably not one of the teams that you would consider. Right, a that, that team. was like the 13th team, and I was like, have a, a shot at it. That's probably a playoff team in the East. Yeah, like they at least are right there in the hunt to make the playoffs. They have Carl Anthony Towns. Like, you're gonna have a shot in the East. Um, but I, Dallas, they look, they look solid. We've always been high on Chris Stapps on this right. podcast. This is a Chris Stapps friendly podcast. Love Luca. Like they're a team. I like. I honestly like what Sacramento's done. Like, yeah, they're still a little obsessed with big men for my liking. Yeah. But like, still paying Harrison Barnes a lot of money. Yeah, they're paying Barnes a lot, but he's not a bad player. Like no. it's it's not something that can't work. So I like what the Kings did. De'Aaron Fox is only going to get better. Um, so I think that there's. I mean. There's a lot of good stuff going on in the in the West. I think maybe I mean the team that's gotten really the most praise in the West. I mean, other than if the Lakers get Kawhi, Utah is going to be everybody's darling. Like right. if the Lakers don't get Kawhi, I'm betting right now that UConn or not UConn. What am I saying? UConn. That Utah, the Utah Huskies. will be Utah will be NBA Twitter's popular pick to make the finals right. out of the West. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I with Utah, I don't know if we want to talk about this now. I love sure. what they've done. They've done a lot of great stuff. And I would, if the Lakers don't get Kawhi, I think I would take Utah to be the number one seed in the West. Right. Yes. But like, I think they could be this year's Bucks. Like, I would not, I wouldn't even necessarily pick them to win the West. I would take them, like, I could totally see them being like a 58 plus win team the way they yeah. are. 
Absolutely. I mean, but here's the deal. Like, every year in the playoffs, there's a situation that Rudy Gobert gets in that he just isn't very effective. That's an issue. Um, yeah, they're going to be relying on Donovan Mitchell, who I like Donovan Mitchell. I think he's kind of the new age Russell Westbrook in a way. Um, and I, I do think... Yeah. Yeah, I think Mike Conley will help him a lot in just taking pressure off of him. And we'll see. Like, the way Donovan Mitchell will separate himself from a guy like Russell Westbrook is if, or at least, you know, scoring-wise, is if he can be more efficient with a guy like Mike Conley. Because there is a legitimate excuse that, like, he had no other creation around him. He had to do it all. So things were really hard for him. But now, like, they added Bojan Bogdanovic. They added Mike Conley. If... Donovan Mitchell has an uptick in efficiency this year. I'm going to, I'm going to like it a lot. I'm going to be really high on him as a prospect and as a player, but um, I want to see that before I'm like totally convinced that Donovan Mitchell is a guy that's going to be a really great playoff performer that can carry you to the finals. Right. And I think it's great for them that they've got a guy like Conley in there with him before Mitchell's too set in his ways. But I think, you know, everyone likes to talk about, Everyone, you guys know I'm not super high on Donovan Mitchell, and everyone likes to talk about, oh, if he's like this as a rookie, what's he going to be next year and then his third year? It's like some people just hit their peak earlier than others. And, like, it's very possible that he's already at as good as he's going to be, which is, I mean, he's great. He averaged almost 24 points a game last year. But everyone's like, oh, well, with Conley, he can, you know, be off ball and be a spot-up shooter. And it's like we don't know that he can be a spot-up shooter. We only see him handle the ball – and he takes a lot of inefficient shots, and you would hope that, I mean, Mike Conley gets people a lot of open looks, and if Donovan Mitchell can be a spot-up shooter off-ball, then I think they're a great team, but, like, he hasn't been a great shooter yet. His playoff shooting numbers are horrendous, and it's like, they're, they're, you can't just say, oh, this guy's going into his third year, he's still going to improve. Like, some people just don't anymore, and he's good where he's at, but you can't just say this guy's going to be an all-star now that he's in his third year. Right. Well, and that's what, that's exact. That's what I'm getting at in terms of, yeah, if we see that uptick in efficiency, then I think we'll absolutely know that like this guy isn't at his peak. Like this is what he legitimately needed another creator next to him to take pressure off of him to be more efficient. That's something that Westbrook's never really gotten. Like he's honestly, his most efficient season was the year that he was by himself. You know, so like it's we'll see if that is the case for Donovan Mitchell. And the the reason why he was so good is because he did have to do everything or if he can kind of tone it down a little bit and become a really good, like you said, off ball shooter and a guy that can just do things a little bit more secondarily next to Conley. Mm. I do love the Bogdanovich signing, though, maybe a slight overpay, but like you had to get. You had to make sure that Indiana didn't want to match it. So, like, I mean, that was a good that was a good pickup for them. Like, they needed a four that could shoot, and Bogdanovich can sh- shoot the shit out of the ball. Like, that's really a good fit. Like, because they can finally be like a twenty first century basketball team and have a true stretch forward next to Rudy Gobert and give them a better chance to be effective offensively. Yeah, I think they'll they they will finally have the offensive firepower to go along with you know the great defensive scheme they've always had with I mean they have great defensive players and Quinn Snyder's a great coach and so that's why I I would 100% bet on them 
to be a great regular season team, and it'll be interesting to see how they evolve and mesh together as the season goes along to try and predict how they'll be in the playoffs. Yep. Bogdanovich shot 42.5% from three this year. And, like, it's very good. A, a large portion of the season, he was, like, their number one option offensively because Oladipo got hurt. Like, he's an incredibly good offensive player, and he's not a bad defender either. Um, right. And it's going to be really funny seeing him and Joe Ingles play together because they're, like, the two white guys in the league that can actually defend a little bit. So that <laughs> that's going to be kind of fun to see. Um even though I kind of hate Joe Ingles. But, right. Um, I think we also have to talk about how Utah, they make all these great moves, and then they put the nail in the coffin by signing Jeff Green earlier this afternoon. I cannot believe that Jeff Green is still playing. Shout out to Thunder great Jeff Green. Um, still get paid. I, I 100% thought Jeff Green was going to be a Laker next year. Like, Yeah, I, I don't understand why he's not. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, like, there's a scenario that he could actually go there and start. Like, I mean, I don't know if they're going to want to start Bogdanovich at the four. Um, I mean, they probably will. Oh, Jared Dudley to the Lakers. Dang. Mm-hmm. That's, a quali- that's a quality signing. Get you some shooting. No, I hate Jared Dudley. I think he's trash. He's a good shooter, though. Like, I mean. If you, if you can just let him stand pickup. there. He's thirty five percent from three hey, last hey, year. Tell me, <laughs> you can't tell, move. Sam, Sam, tell me the last time you watched Jared Dudley play basketball. This year against the uh, Sixers in the playoffs, and he was real bad. Okay, he was great enough. at talking shit. <laughs> he was real bad at playing <laughs> basketball. Hey, I'm here for it. The guy's a career thirty nine percent three point shooter. I think this is a decent signing. It's on a min- It's a minimum deal. Like, yeah, you know, that's fine on a minimum. Not a game deal. changer. I just I really thought that um, I really thought Jeff Green was going to be their guy that was that backup four type, but you know it turns out it's Jared Dudley. So, yeah. um, do we want to talk about the Lakers because they're kind of a thing? Sure, that is yeah. kind of happening. Um, just sort of biding their time. Signed Troy Daniels, right. Jared Dudley. Did they make any other signings? That is that's it. That's all they've done so far. Okay. Um, it's cool. They've got I didn't realize they signed six Troy Daniels. That's actually not bad. Yeah, he's a shooter. Hey, they yeah. sign. They're signing shooters. They're yeah. signing shooters, yeah. which is so much they're more than learning. what I can say for last year. Yeah. yeah, literally what they should have done, like last year. Literally what they should have been doing this whole time. Honestly, they're basically just confirming every everything I just assumed was going to happen with having Magic Johnson in charge. Like Magic Johnson just did not know what the fuck he was doing in terms of running a basketball team. And, like, I the day that he resigned, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to the Lakers, even though they didn't really handle it very well. Like, still, just getting Magic Johnson out of there, getting a guy that thinks he knows more about basketball than everybody else, and he just ignores data, that was huge for them. And yeah. it's already starting to look like, you know, things are maybe turning. Um, we should, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's probably going to go there. Yeah, like, I mean that's it's probably gonna happen. Like I, I'm still not sold, man. I th- I, I, think I don't know anywhere he's going, but I just right. the it's way obviously Lakers Twitter the move that makes the most basketball sense. Um, but no, he could he could easily resign with the Raptors at this. Point. Here's here's the deal. 
I've gone back and forth in this saga because starting out, I didn't want the Lakers to get Kawhi. I like the Lakers, obviously, and I want LeBron to win. Um, but I was like, if Kawhi doesn't go there, the NBA is just going to be so incredibly wide open. Like, I don't even think there will be a favorite. Like, I don't know how you yeah. will project that. So I was, I'm, I was in on that. But then it got to a point where it was like, shit, if the Lakers don't get him, then what are they going to do? Right? Every option See, like was kind of drying That's up. funny. It is kind of funny. Um, there, people are kind of. There are still some decent, like the Morris twins are out there. You yeah, know, there's still some decent options out there. Although I did think Jeff Green was going to be one of those guys. Um, and now, but I'm to the point, like, because I'm, I'm pretty like I follow enough Lakers Twitter people to kind of get have a pulse of what's going on, and they're going to be the worst human beings in the world if they get Kawhi Leonard. Yes. So I'm kind of back on the I hope they don't get Kawhi train. Yeah, they're already the worst human beings in the world, and they have nothing but speculation. They have right. one one Lakers blog boy that just keeps saying sources say Kawhi is going to the Lakers. Yeah, right. shouts to Aria Abraham, man. That's what a kid. And um, Michael Rappaport. Like, Michael Rappaport. You got a guy that was so crazy that Barstool dissociated themselves from him. And yep. he is your most credible source on the Lakers getting Kawhi. Yeah. It's here's here is my thing. Is I don't think like the reason I don't believe any of these reports is because I legitimately don't think Kawhi has made a decision yet. Like, it kind of feels like he actually waited until after the moratorium to maybe start talking to teams, which is a wild thing for an NBA player to do. But Kawhi Leonard is not a normal NBA player. So, like... Um, yeah, I I don't think that... Yeah, it would, it, it would be very Kawhi if that was how he handled it, because that's just literally not how any other player in the league's handle, handle things. Right. Like, Durant knew where he was going like he it was literally leaked before free agency started so yeah i i think he's gonna go to the lakers i really do like they will win championships with him Mm -hmm. like it'll just happen but you also have to look at like it'll be him and anthony davis there for like seven eight years yeah and like that's a contender every year like they it's not like a you're not definitely going to win a title all those years but like you got Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis, you're a contender. Yeah, I don't even really, really care good. what's around them. You know, so like to me it makes a ton of sense. Like I could see like I don't know why. I mean, looking at it objectively as like going back to the Raptors is like it's kind of a cute story that they want it, but anybody could look at that situation and know that like they wouldn't have won the championship without both injuries happening in the finals like they did. Yeah. And then, like so, and like, what are the what are the Raptors doing to get way better over these next few years? Yeah, they're right? they're they like they're actually doing nothing right now. Like, yeah, they're the waiting Raptors on him just like everybody else. Yeah. Like, so I I I mean, like you're you're hoping Pascal Siakam becomes the superstar that NBA Twitter thinks he is or something. Like, I don't really know what you're waiting for in terms of development there. And then, right. like with the Clippers. I kind of like the idea of going there. I think it would be a good move, but like, I, I mean, I'm I don't know. Like, it's not the as idea of 
going there alone. Yeah, I... It seemed like the sort of thing he would do if he had someone to team up with, but... It seems very much like a... I mean, I think they have more upside than the Raptors do, but it's that kind of situation, though. Like, I think there's a little bit more upside. You know, you can draw someone else to come play with Kawhi in L.A. more than the Raptors can to come play in freaking Canada, you know? So, I am kind of... I'm a little nervous about that happening because I don't want Brendan Wiley to be happy. Um... (laughs) That's our friend. Yeah. I don't know if he listens to this. Apparently a, a Clippers fan. So, um, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, I would love Kawhi the Clippers the most. I think that's that just makes the league so open. Right. Uh, well, I, I think mean, it him makes sense. in Toronto does that too, though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, but I like, I like him going to the West because that leaves just, like, nothing in the East. <laughs> like, right. well, that leaves the Nets the Celtics, not the, no, sort of the Celtics, the 76ers. You still um, have the Pacers over there. Well, yeah, but. Are we just not going to talk about the Bucks? So, and the Bucks. The Bucks was the I one mean, I was Bucks, forgetting the word to, obviously. The Bucks could be the best team in the league next year. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're a good basketball team, so. I, think, I still think you have six solid teams over there right now. Yeah. Kawhi no. pending. Set. Ryan, you're you're an Eastern Conference hater. I'm I am an Eastern. Chill out with that. That's a, well, that's what's so crazy chill. about. I don't understand. I don't know if it's just there's so many good players now. But you know, a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, there's seven good teams in the West, and there's only three good teams in the East. Like they would make the play. They would be a home seed over there. And now, and it's like, like now there's like thirteen good teams, good teams in the West. In, yeah. And- like seven in the east. Yeah, and yeah. there's still a solid number of playoff teams in the east. It's like why are right. why is everybody like the the tanking Adam Silver is not doing a great job at stopping the tanking, I guess, because the people at the bottom are solidly there. Yeah. Right. Here here is my here is my Eastern Conference hater prediction. Multiple teams with a losing record will make the playoffs in the East next year. Nah. Okay. I think I think you're underrating it a little bit. Like I mean, the Heat got better. The Heat did get better. They like, signed they're Jimmy. Not, they're not a contender, but they have a guy that can go get buckets now. Like, they have Jimmy right. Jimmy Butler. So, right. And, hey, the Pistons added Derrick Rose. So. So I, don't know, I don't know that the Magic and Pistons got worse, necessarily. Yeah. Can we talk about a team that I think just shit all over themselves and did get worse? It's a Western Conference team. Is it the Phoenix Suns? It's not Phoenix Suns. So, no, like, this it is wasn't a team, the Charlotte Hornets. This is a team that was actually good this year. Um, that just I think shit all over. Oh themselves. yeah, I know who you're talking about. It would be the Portland it? Trailblazers. Yeah. What <laughs> in the hell? What the hell are they doing? Um, they don't really know. Right. Almost like their basketball. No, like literally their front office is kind of decimated right now. Yeah. They um. Like they're still getting their bearings on who is on who is making what decisions, um, and it's showing in their strange desire to load up on. Bad, why, why? I've I've forgotten what they've done. Okay, well me let me let me. They let Al Farouk Aminu just straight up walk for less than right. ten million a year, which I think right. is a mistake. Like that guy was kind of the most important part of their defense. Other than Nurkic when he was healthy, like Al Farouk Aminu, Aminu was really good. Oh um, right, Hassan Whiteside. That was the that was the other thing they did. 
Yeah, they bring in Hassan Whiteside, trading Myers Leonard and uh, Mo Harkless, who was another important piece to their defense. Like they had a pretty well standing identity. Like they had, they played two combo forwards that were both like of the three and D variety, a little consistent on the three, but they were both good defenders. And then they had a big man that could defend and like be a role man for Dame and CJ. Like, and it worked. That got them to the Western Conference Finals. Like, that was a good strategy. I liked the Kent Bazemore move. I thought that was a good add on the wing. Like, he's a better player than Evan Turner. Um, obviously, yeah, they've probably felt like they needed to replace uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic for this year. But, like, Hassan Whiteside's the guy that you want to do that? Yeah. Like, are you Honestly, serious? Yeah, just. And I saw someone I talking know. about. Portland's defensive scheme and how they kind of funnel things to the middle a lot. Whereas Miami, their defensive scheme was not conducive to having, you know, a seven foot two guy that can't move at all. So like they're kind they're from a defensive standpoint, it's not indefensible, but it's still like, it's it's, it's just like, it's on white side. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're going to tell me that like Eric Spolstra was what was holding us on white sides, defensive potential back. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I don't think Whiteside's a horrible player. And it's like, it's not a long-term move that's going to really have much impact because everybody involved in those trades were their expiring contracts. So it's not a big deal in that regard. But it's just, I don't know why you wouldn't just run it back. Like, it's the same thing I was talking about with Houston, where it's like, you get into a situation where it seems like it's pretty good, but then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we have to change everything. Because obviously we didn't make the we lost to the Warriors this year, so obviously we need to change everything, yeah. and that's yeah. just not right. Let's, I think let's, I think they panicked. Right. I think they panicked. Absolutely, and that's talk, another. Like, or go ahead. Just like I look at this Portland team, and like let's just go down the list of players, and you tell me if they're a good or bad defender. Dame Lillard, bad, hey, bad, bad to bad. less like, bad. It's like it's limited. Bad. Yeah. It is okay because he is a superstar, but you're right. Yeah. It's not because of his defense. Uh, CJ McCollum. Okay bad. to bad. Yeah. Rodney Hood. Bad. Zach Collins. He's potentially very good, but he's just he's not there. I'll give him an okay right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, Hassan Whiteside. Okay. Like, good. okay to good. I'll okay give him good. good. Yeah. Right. Ken Bazemore. I'll say, I'll say good there. Okay. He's all right. All right, now, who but like none power? of these guys are—they're not Aminu level. They're not Harkless level. Right, right, right. Like we we've we have no we have located like three okay to good defenders. Like right. well, one of and which like, is a, like I think you're none about of them, to... like there are no wings on this team. Well, there are no pa- like big wings. Like there's no right. guys. None of those wings are guys that you're like, yeah, they can slide up and play that four position, like right. new and Harkless. So it's like I don't know who's going to play the four. They did sign Anthony Tolliver. I expect right. them to start Zach Collins at the four, which I you think is a huge done. mistake. I think that's a the wrong decision. Playing Zach Collins next to a just a true rolling five, like I I don't get it. Like I think it's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, but I think that's what they'll have to do. And then they'll probably start. I think you probably start Bazemore at the three. And well, this is, they're just, they're going to be small all the time. And they're going to be small with guys who are not good defenders at their position. Right. 
And I guess I, I guess they're hoping that funneling things to Hassan Whiteside will really help in that regard. So, but I I don't know. I think it was a bad move, absolutely. Especially like I could see if Miami were giving you like draft picks to take Hassan Whiteside, and then at least you could sell it as like a future move. But basically, you're just rearranging deck chairs at this point. So it's like I don't know why you wouldn't just keep what you had and just make a run at it again. And just hope that Dame doesn't wear down mid playoffs. You know what right. I mean? It's, my my whole thought with the Blazers is that what they needed to do was look at guys like Aminu and Harkless and get somebody who was like a tier above them and like build up in wing depth. And they sort right. of did the opposite. Well, I think yeah, I think keep those guys. I think Kevon Looney would have been a really interesting fit for them. Like throw the mid level or the taxpayer mid-level at him maybe like he again he might not have taken it maybe the Warriors he always had an agreement with him but I think there are bigs that you can go and get like bring back in his canter bring or go get Willie Cauley Stein like shit sign Boogie Cousins you know what I mean like which no one is doing right now right nobody's doing like and I I don't know if it's that he is not interested in smaller offers or what, but I mean, I, I don't, I just don't think anybody wants to to bring him in because he's not a super stable guy and he's going to want to play a lot, you know, because he's going to want to try and prove himself. I think honestly, I think he's probably going to wind up on the Lakers if I'm just being honest. Like, yeah, it, I don't, I don't like that fit very much, but it just seems like a very Lakers move. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we got we got Boogie. Oh, Boogie and AD played with each other. Sure, we'll do that again. Right. And it's probably going to be on a minimum. So it's like, it's not a bad decision, but it's like, I don't love it. But, um, yeah, okay, yeah, not great from Portland. Right. Let's let's shift over to the East. I like. There's some interesting teams in the East, and we we've already mentioned them. Um. I want to start with what Philly did because we're all kind of like Philly adjacent. Like we all at least pay attention to what they do. Like yeah. we are aware of things and we have watched them enough. I would describe us as process trusters. Yeah, we definitely were process, process oh, trusters. Oh, I am I'm more that than happened. that. I, I fully, whenever I decided to choose a new team, however many years ago, it was the Philadelphia 76ers. It's like I am I am fully on board. I would argue that I will like if they were playing the Thunder well, I won't say that if it's the finals, but I I will I am more invested in the Sixers season than the Thunder season this year. Yeah, well, and we're going to talk about the Thunder. We have a big Thunder segment coming up. Um but I like what Philly did. Like, I think that they are going to be a better basketball team for the decisions that they made. Um, But I think that if they had just kind of chilled and not made any of these trades, or maybe just the Jimmy Butler trade, they would have been in a better position now. Like, if they had the cap space, like, they would have had the cap space um, if they had made the Jimmy Butler trade and they still let him walk or did the sign-in trade. They still could have signed Al Horford. And I think Landry Shamit would be like the absolute perfect fit on this team. Like, I could not, like, he is basically, to me, Landry Shamit is young JJ Redick. And 
I'm a big fan of his. And fitting him next to like Josh Richardson and Ben Simmons, I think that's going to be really awesome. Like I or would have been really awesome. Um, but now, I mean, I don't hate Tobias Harris as a player, but being locked into five years at 180 million is so just—it's not good value. Like they had to do it because of what they gave up to get him, but they did not maximize the value for what they had going into this past season, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it obviously doesn't look like the most ideal, but I think at one point, Alex, sorry to take your private DMs to the podcast, but he called them a dumpster fire of an organization, and I think that was a bit of an over-exaggeration. Like, I think a lot of what it was is just a new, it's a new front office. They were thrown into this situation under very weird circumstances, and we're right. kind of figuring it out on the fly. Elton Brands in his first, you know, stint, his first attempt at trying to do something like this. I think he was he took some took some swings because he maybe panicked a little bit and thought that's what he had to do. The the Shamit Tobias Harris trade isn't like obviously it's not a great move, but I don't think it's indefensible. I mean, Tobias Harris is still like I think he's a forty percent three point shooter still, and like the he wasn't great when he got to Philly last year, but like people get cold sometimes. And so I, mean, I think he's still, he is in a vacuum, a better player than Landry Shamit is. And sure, he'd love to have those picks eventually, but they're fully committed to winning this title. I mean, in the next two years, I would say. Like they are, they are fully yeah. in on that. And I think to buy as, much, as great as Shamit would be, as overpaid as Tobias probably is. It's not like an overpay for Chandler Parsons. Like you have, you're just paying too much for a very good player. You're paying right great salary to a very good player. Okay, here here's what I'll say. And like, yeah, they're not a dumpster fire organization. That was an overreaction on my part. Um, I do think that was before. That was I before the Horford. That, yeah. yeah, that was before I knew they were getting Horford. But what I'll say about it is that nothing that they have done since Sam Hinkie left has given me any confidence that they're good at what they do. And, like, I just think that Sam Hinkie put them in such kind of an unlosable situation. Like, I think they've handled things extremely poorly. Like, pretty much every negotiation or trade that they've made has been a objectively bad move. Like, they gave up too much for, except for maybe the Jimmy Butler trade. But like that Tobias Harris trade was so, so much of an overpay. And it was really because of the position that they put themselves in, right? Like it's the same thing with what the Lakers did with Anthony Davis. The Sixers did that with freaking Tobias Harris, right? And so they just didn't maximize all the ridiculous assets that they had uh, with that Sam Hinkie got them in the first place. And I'm looking at also like, it might not necessarily have been Landry Shamit, right? Like, if they had held on to those things, there might have been something they could have done this offseason. Like, I know they were interested in Malcolm Brogdon. Like, maybe you could make a deal with Milwaukee and give them one of those picks in Landry Shamit, and then you get Malcolm Brogdon, who I think is a much better fit um, for what they're doing. And then, like, I think if you've got Malcolm Brogdon and Josh Richardson in your backcourt, like, that's the best defense in the league by far. And like those two guys are like the absolute perfect fits next to a guy like Ben Simmons. Yeah, for sure. Like there, there are so many ifs that you can 
throw out there. It's like you don't know that any of those were realistic for Philly. And I think, you know, when you're Elton Brand and you're, I mean, he's literally been the GM less than a year. He didn't even have the draft to himself in 2018. Like, he's still figuring this out. They are definitely, like, Colangelo made no plus moves other than signing J.J. Reddick. Like, there, there's just, I think that you got to give this front office some time, and I think he's just figuring out. He had a deal there for a good player. You don't know if there's going to be a deal there for a great player in a year. I mean, they had a legitimate chance. They were four bounces away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals instead of the team that won the NBA championship. Like, they, yeah. they were that close to winning it this year, and they're still set up well to win it in the next, win it all the next two years. Yeah, yep. and I think that I think that just goes into what Alex was saying, though, about, I think just in general, it feels like none of the moves Philly has made in recent history have been, like, optimal. Right. Like you all you like you look at all of them and you say, well, you know, maybe they overpaid for this. Maybe this was a reach like you. They're still in a really good position, obviously. Um, right. But it feels like so much of that is in spite of like their lack of cunning in their front office dealings. Like they get taken out to lunch by Boston, like two in drafts in three years. Yeah. Um, no, I think I I think that's literally what it is. Like that's my only complaint is that like they're obviously still a contender. I think they could win a championship with this lineup that they have. It's just not maximizing what they have, right? Like they're they're not like horrendous moves, but if you combine all of them, I don't think they're in near as good a situation as they could have been considering what all the advantages that they did have that Hinky gave them. Like the fact is like Hinky basically got them Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and that's essentially a situation that you can't screw up. Right. Not to mention Robert Covington, Dario Saric, which turns into Jimmy Butler. Like, there's so many aspects of this that are just... The Colangelos couldn't mess it up enough for it not to work. And, like, I think time is... like We're giving Elton Brand a lot of credit for being a new GM. Like, we don't know if he's ever going to be a good GM. Like that is still like the, that is the other possibility is that like Elton Brand could be not good at this and ruin it. It's possible. It's it, absolutely. But like, I I don't. Nothing he's done so far makes me think that he is horrendous at what he's doing. He just hasn't done things in the optimal way, like we've said. Right. Uh, I also. Um, my last thing about Philly is that we talk about like them being really interested in winning soon. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, there's a degree which I feel like their, like their timetable is so accelerated and it doesn't need to be. Um, yeah, what I will say that, like, I think one thing we're finding in the NBA though, is that like, if you've got the tools, then you should probably just go ahead and do it because, you know, teams have planned for winning in five years and it just never seems to happen. You know right. what I mean? Like the Celtics that was an example of that. The Celtics were trying to do it. The Thunder absolutely were trying to do it. When, like the Thunder had a much better core than what the Sixers have now, mm-hmm. and they were like thinking, "Oh shit, we're gonna win five championships in like five years." You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of like, "Oh shit, we made the finals this year. 
we need to do everything we can to get back next year. So in that regard, I respect what Philly's doing, but at the same time, I, I think they're being a little bit careless with how they're going about it. Right. Um, okay. So I want to talk about the bucks because they're, they're a really interesting team to me because they were the team, like they made the decision not to match uh, Indiana's offer for Malcolm Brogdon. And they wound up getting assets for him, which I thought was really smart. Basically, I just want to like I think everything Milwaukee has done with, under their new management has been like pretty optimal. Like I don't think I mean maybe the one thing is like they didn't have to give Eric Bledsoe that extension and he was right. horrendous in the playoffs, but I don't think it was like a horrendous overpay or anything. So, I'm I'm really complimentary of what the Bucks are doing. I have questions about like I don't really understand why they signed Robin Lopez other than the fact that it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Like, that's a weird one. Um, but, I mean, losing Miritich in such a strange way is part yeah. of it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't care about that. Like, I, I he folded in the playoffs. Like, he was right. nothing. Like, I was fine with that. Getting Wes Matthews on a vet minimum is a great value deal. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I think that, you know, bringing back a guy like George Hill, I thought George Hill was another guy that the Lakers might wind up being interested in if they wind up getting the core that they're looking for. I thought there'd be a lot of teams interested in him, actually. So getting him to come back was big for them. And then getting Chris Middleton at under the max is good value. Like they got him for less than Tobias Harris, and he's a better player than Tobias Harris. Like, yeah. And like two million less over the course of five years. Wasn't it like a hundred seventy-eight million, and Tobias got yeah. hurt eighty. I think. I think. I'm not saying it's not like overpaid, but I mean, yeah. but they're paying a better player less money than. But see, the I don't Sixers know. Are. I don't necessarily know that. I don't think if he is better, he's that much better than Tobias Harris. It's like I would argue with you on that. I don't think he's as good. Well, it doesn't need to be that much better if he is. Well, yeah, but I don't, I don't think like, he's. I don't think he's better at all. I mean, he's a better no. shooter, but he's not better. Like he's not better as a cutter. He's. I don't think he's as big. Like he can't. He doesn't defend as valuable a position. He's I, not as good of a defender. No, you're 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 just wrong there. See, he's I don't. A, he's a better defender than Tobias Harris. I don't think he's just like in, elite, in any sort of elite defender. He's a good defender. Well, yeah, so is Tobias Harris. No, he's not. <laughs> Tobias Harris is, like, average at best. Hang on. Like, just straight up. Like okay. the, the cool thing is that we're arguing about defense, so I'm going to pull up these basketball reference numbers, and we're going to immediately it's discount gonna, them because you can't. It's not going to help yeah. at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I just think we have different opinions of these two players. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think they're very similar players, and I think both of them getting mm. essentially a max is fine. It's fine. Like it's both. They're both overpaid. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't think it's if Tobias Harris is like, oh man, you gave him that much for five years. I think it's the exact same with Chris Middleton. It's like that's you gave him that much for five years. Okay. Like he's, but he. I just think he's a, he's just a better player than Tobias Harris is what I'm trying to say. And they, I I mean that that's really my entire point. Like I okay. think he's better than Tobias Harris. I will say this and we can immediately discount the status completely meaningless. But uh, in terms of defensive box plus minus, Middleton was a plus defender and Tobias Harris was a minus defender. Right. I mean, it's a difference of about one um, in terms of rating. Yeah. Like 
Yeah, I mean, I'm. I've said Middleton's better. That's my entire point. That's fine. That's fair. We we can disagree. I disagree. That's fine. <laughs> right. It's fine. Um. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Let's let's move. What on. else do we have to say about the Bucks? Anything? No, I just I like what they did. Other like the Lopez thing is just a little awkward, but it's like now they're gonna have legitimately forty eight minutes of good center play. I just think it's kind of strange because I thought they would want to do more Giannis at center stuff, but I guess that's just not right. what they're this gonna do. Move. Yeah, this is a move that really precludes so, that. Um, and I I was thinking about how this is gonna work too a little bit. Like, I guess you probably play Giannis like almost exclusively with Brook Lopez. Right. And then you can mm-hmm. play Lopez like Robin Lopez when Giannis isn't out there. Yeah. And that makes you better defensively when Giannis isn't on the court, I guess. Maybe that's kind of what they're thinking. Um, and like, I mean, they can play together some still, but I just I'm just thinking about optimizing the offense with with Giannis. Right. Um, do we have anything else? Our uh, Stephen Adams for Gordon Hayward trade got blown up because the Celtics are stupid. Yep. We need to ask, what does Sam what does Sam think about that deal? Did you listen to the last pod? Yeah, I listened to it. What all was it was it just Steve Nams, Gordon Hayward, and Steven, whatever maybe like Robertson whatever if you can pawn him off on them? Yeah. Right. Like essentially it was Steven Adams for Gordon Hayward. And I the more I think about it, the yeah, more I think I, just... I agreed with you that it was probably better for the Celtics to do that. Like they could definitely use a Steven Adams. And if yeah. Robertson is on the court, like I still think he's a good player, whether he's overpaid at ten million or not. Like he's it's one he year. provides yeah, yeah, yeah provides you value and you're off of it soon. Yeah. I I honestly like I know that I'm biased in looking at this situation, but I don't know what go- role Gordon Hayward is going to play on that basketball team. And if, it, if yeah. he does play a significant role, like it's going to significantly diminish the production that either Jalen Brown or uh, Jason Tatum is going to put out there. Right. Yeah. And I, cause I'm just thinking about a closing lineup and you can't play all four of smart, Tatum, Brown, and Hayward. Like you're not playing one of those guys at the five because Kimba's gonna be out there. Kimba's the best offensive player on the team. Like he's gonna be on the court. So like I honestly you have to leave Smart out of the closing lineup, and that's I don't think that's a good idea. You either leave Smart or just whoever's having a bad game out of the other three. Like and I I just don't agree with that because I think they went through that this year in like they weren't all able to be happy in the situation. Yeah. Like there was just too much going on. And like, you're asking Gordon Hayward either to take a step back for these young guys, or you're asking these young guys that are trying to get paid to take a step back for Hayward. And that just never works out. Like it right. just is always going to backfire. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to poison their chemistry. It like, it I will look, do it again. I look at what, Adams would provide for that team. There's there's not a ton of teams in the NBA that I think Adams could provide like that much value to. And it, the Celtics are one of the main ones because he's a perfect partner for Kemba Walker. And if you're putting all of those really shooty wings around him and Kemba, like he everything he does well is then going to be super positive for them, right? It's not nothing's going to be exposed like it is with the Thunder. You know, so I'm like, I'm kind of annoyed by the fact that like that 
hasn't happened. Like, I don't know. Maybe I mean, I'm being unreasonable about it, but like, and maybe shit, maybe the Celtics wanted to do it and Sam Presti didn't want to, in which case he's wrong. But at the same time, I highly doubt, I think the Celtics are overvaluing Gordon Hayward at this point. Cause I, I mean, and just one more point to defend myself on this is that like, if you're hoping for Gordon Hayward to return to Utah, Gordon Hayward, like he was option one, two, and three for them. Like that's what that Gordon Hayward was like. And that's just, that's not even going to be close to what he is with the Celtics. Like at best, he's the second option. And more realistically, he's probably the third or fourth option. Right. He's not not, like, he's not going to get the ball over Kemba and he's not going to get the ball over Tatum. Right. Um, And like, when it comes down to it, that is what is going to matter. Like mm-hmm. he, like he is not going to be the primary initiator unless either of those guys are off the court, and that's like three or four minutes a game, probably that one of those two guys isn't on the court. Yeah, and I just I don't I don't like the fit, man. I think that I mean I guess they just think that they can survive defensively with Ennis Cantor. Like that's really fucking stupid. Like if we're being honest, like. They're going to try and build a defense with Kemba as the point of attack defender with Encanter as being the guy that's dropping in pick and roll coverage. Yeah. Like, sure, that's that's going to work. Pick. That is such a bad pick and roll combination. It is almost yeah. unbelievable. And like, also, you're going to go up against Philly with Joel Embiid within his Cantor. Like, that's your plan. Right. I think it's pretty stupid. I'm kind of annoyed by it um, because. As a result, like, I, I don't think that there's any Steven Adams options at this point. Like, I think that yeah. that was the deal that, and like, hell, maybe it happens tomorrow and all of this is irrelevant. I hope that does happen. Um, but it really seems like they're just going to roll with Ennis. And that was like the one trade that I would have been like excited for the Thunder, you know, like, oh, the Thunder really made a huge change and it might be exciting to watch, but right. Um, and it's just, yeah, it didn't happen. It is so odd to like reckon with like Steve is not like, we're not trading Steve and Nerlens is back and we signed Mascala. Like, yeah, I guess we I'm could worried just jump that my Mascala the Thunder deals. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the Thunder deals. Cause that's where we're at. I don't yes, think we really so, got anything else. Right. So it started with an announcement of Nerlens coming back on us i have no idea we don't know how much any of these guys are making because yeah, of course I, we don't yeah best tweet on this was definitely from alex spears um which is that apparently all of these players are coming to play for the thunder for free which will really help their salary cap situation that's that's a that's a really good deal that's a lot of value for for nothing for no right. money um but so it started with the Nerlens announcement and then nothing like we didn't know how much money he was making. And then we got a tweet about him reconsidering, which again, all that right. is behind the scenes. I have no also, idea what happened. He put on his Instagram story, two question marks. Right. Yeah. So we were all just kind of like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Initially like, I was kind of like, what did Woj just strike out on this? What happened? Right. Yeah, initially, like when I was thinking it was a real deal, I was like, okay, cool, great. We got Nerlens Noel back. He's awesome. I got to sit through all the people on Twitter that think he's actually better than Steven Adams, and I'm like, nope, you're wrong. 
Um, but I mean, he's not not a bad player. Like I think it's if you're getting him on a minimum, it's good value. That's sh- sure. Right. Um, but right after the thing got turned down, or it, he was reconsidering, um, we got the confirmation about Mike Mascala. And the funniest thing about this was apparently Mike Mascala was free agent target number one for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because of course he was. Right. Because Sam Presti flew to Minnesota to meet Mike Muscala at his house to talk to him. Um, And I've, I've seen a lot of people giving the Thunder shit for this. And like, I mean, I'm not saying I think it was like worth doing that. But at the same time. I don't have a problem with them identifying a player that they really want and then doing what they have to do to get them. Like it obviously yeah. worked. So good for them. I th- fucking hate Mike Muscala as a player. I think he's terrible. <laughs> um, like I don't know what he's going to bring to this team. Like people call him a shooter, but like, 36%. I definitely, I definitely think he's one of those guys that if he ever has an important, important shot that he has to take, he's going to miss it like hundred percent. Right. Mike like, Muscala is a shooter in that he is a big who will shoot. Right. Nah, the guy the guy's not very good. Um I, I know Sam probably got to see him on the Sixers this year. He was not a popular player in Philadelphia. He wasn't great. No, he was pretty bad. Um he's his a horrible dad's a racist. His dad's racist. Oh he's a man, ho- I forgot about that. Yeah. He's a bad defender. Like he can't defend really in space at all. He's not a rim protector. Um like so he's he's legitimately it's gonna be the guy that Thunder fans are gonna think of him as being an upgrade over Patrick Patterson, and I do not think he's going to be that. Like I think it's gonna be essentially you're gonna be getting the same thing out of that position as what you got from Patrick Patterson. So right. that's where I'm at with this. I I do not like the signing. I think it's kind of a waste of time. But whatever. Um and then we got Alec Burks. Right. Dang, Woj bomb, Alec Burks. Big time, big time pickup. And uh, I think it was actually Royce Young that broke the news, which good for Royce. There you go. Um, yeah, so do any of you guys know anything about Alec Burks? I've done, I've watched him a little bit and I've done some research over the last day. Yeah, so does I mean, I know, anybody... I decent amount about Alec Burks. I like him. Um, I okay. like him coming yeah. out of... Colorado. He's a decent yeah. shooter, decent defender, just like above average at everything, and a solid backup. Okay, yeah. so here he's a okay. Or go ahead. No, go ahead and do your thing. It's just the sense I get is that he is a guard who can do everything required of a guard in the NBA when he's mm-hmm. healthy, which has not always been the case. Right. No, he's had a ton of injury problems. So here's my deal with with Alec Burks. Um, I definitely I like him as a player, and I think there's a scenario where he turns out to be like a really, really good signing, like a really good, valuable signing. I also think there's a scenario which he comes in as a damn disaster. Okay. And the reason I'm saying this is um, from everything I've ever seen from Alec Burks, he is at his best when he has the ball in his hands and is free to kind of do what he wants to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's at his bet. Like, a lot of the things that you see from him are, like, he'll get a big switched on to him. So, he'll and he'll pull up, take a three, or go into the mid-range, or just blow by the guy. Like, he's a good dribbler. He's a good ball handler. 
and he can do some stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, I don't know what that does for the Thunder. Like, is that something he's going to be able to showcase with the Thunder? I have no idea. Um, I do know that whenever his best years in Utah were the years that they were not good at basketball. Um, it was kind of him putting up stats on bad teams. And I also know that like when they did wind up getting better, usually he was kind of the first guy to fall out of the rotation. And I, so I suspect that in situations where he's not able to just kind of be Alec Burks, he doesn't adapt really well and become a player that really helps your team. So that's why I think that the, this signing could wind up not working at all. Um, but at the same time, I think like the dude has basketball skills that can be really valuable when used correctly. And like, presumably if like you can shoot contested threes, like you should be able to make open threes too. Right. So it's, um, I don't know to me, it's an interesting because the question becomes, how does he play on the court with Russell Westbrook? Right. Exactly. Uh Like, and Shit, Dennis Dennis Schroeder for the for the same right, thing. Like, because right. I to me, I kind of think of them as relatively similarly. I think Burks is a better catch and shoot three point shooter. Like, he's not a horrible catch and shoot guy. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that like, if all he's allowed to do is take catch and shoot threes, sometimes that just screws with guys and they can't make anything. You know, like right. they yeah. need they need those like dribble pull up shots to get into the rhythm of the game and then they're able to make catch and shoot threes. Like, right. and I haven't watched enough of Alec Burks to know this to be true, but like, that is my worry. Like, I think that there's maybe some like bad Dion waiters potential here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I think that there's certainly reason to be concerned that that could be the case, but I know he will provide more value to this team than Alex Sabrinas did last year. Yeah, um, or or Abdel Nader. Like, I don't dislike this. I think that's a good signing. Like, for the minimum, like, that's a good signing. Um, but I just, I'm not ready to say that it's just going to be a perfect fit and things are going to be great because I think there's some real, like, disaster potential. Right. I th- To me, it's like, I think about him, like, playing with the bench with Schroeder. And, like, if it just evolves into, you know, your turn, my turn with him and Schroeder, like, yeah. I think there are worse things that could happen to a bench offense. Sure, because like, absolutely. Like, this year, it was, like, Schroeder, w- Schroeder was playing your turn, my turn with, like, no one else at all. Right. It was, like, your turn, oh, we turned it over. Like, <laughs> there. so, yeah. to me, I, like, I hope that he can find the time to be Alec Burks. I hope that we give him the time to be Alec Burks so that we can get the most out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, maybe if you give him that time to kind of cook second units, like then you can maximize what he can do with the starting lineup. Right. You know, like I will say like, that is, that was the thought with Mello. Like that was what everybody thought would happen. Right. Um, and it just didn't happen did at all. Happen. And so I'm obviously different situations and different caliber of player but like it i don't know like i'm i don't i think there's like a 50 50 shot and whether or not this winds up actually helping the team you know yeah. but it's again it's a good signing like the thunder are in a bad situation cap wise they essentially only had vet minimums to hand out 
Um, I'm sure that they tried to get Wes Matthews. Like I have no doubt in my yeah. mind that the offer that Wes Matthews took from Milwaukee, he could have gotten from Oklahoma city. And they obviously liked him around the buyout market. So um, it's just, they took what they could get and I don't, I don't have any problem with it. Mm-hmm. I think they were good. Yeah. I, I think Mescala is kind of a shit move, honestly. Like I, I don't like Mescala, and I don't think he's going to help. But I don't think he's going to play much. Yeah, well, I, I look at Mescala, and I'm like, we're probably like he's probably just going to like not play while we like develop Deontay Burton or something. Like I, I hope so. Like that, that needs to happen. Or sh- Darius Baisley, like play right. him. I don't care. Right. Right. You know, yeah. is he? It's just going to like. <sighs> The Mike Muscala right. thing is a weird thing to fly to Minnesota for. Maybe this will um, brighten everybody's mood. I got some a gem from Wikipedia for Alec Burks. Uh, on January 13th, 2019, he did have 17 points and 13 rebounds and a 101-95 win over the Los Angeles Lakers. Dang. <laughs> the sentence good. on his Wikipedia page. Good, good for him. Yeah. Not, I mean, if you watch the guy in highlights, like, he looks great. Like he can do a lot of good things. You know, he's okay. I, I think like Schroeder is a guy that I think of. Cause it's like, if you just look at the good stuff that they're able to do, you would think, damn, this guy's an all-star. Like they had that kind of ability, but they're just not like overly efficient with it. They're not overly consistent with it. And Burks has the added, he's just never really been healthy for any extended period of time. Right. You know, so um, I do- maybe he can find that in his year 28. You know, yeah. Well, he he played a lot uh, last season. It's just nobody saw. Yeah. Him. He was on like three different bad teams. Yeah, yeah. He started the year in Utah, I think, which was by far the best team. And then he was on the Kings and Cavs, right? Cavs, yeah. Right. Cavs, then yeah. Kings, I think is how. It works. Yeah, I think yeah. he's definitely a usable backup if he can stay on the floor. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think. And I also that's... think. Yeah, I also think that he represents a player who can like do the like we've talked about the Thunder's inability to find complete players. And like, if he's healthy, like he's yeah. capable of doing everything you can ask of a modern two. Right. I, I mean, I think that there, I mean, other, like the other main concern, like, I don't really know how he is as a passer, you know, like he's definitely, I wouldn't consider him like a ball moving type player. Like he's the kind of guy that like, he might drive and kick, and make yeah. a play, but I, I don't see him as the kind of guy that's going to help the offense flow at all. I mean, I think that's why he had trouble playing for Utah is because that's what their team was built around. And he kind of, he's a dribbler. Like he likes to get the ball and then go to work and there's value there, but right. yeah. So, I mean, I, we'll, if, we'll just yeah. have to see how it goes. If his role in the thunder is taking minutes away from previous dribble, quote unquote dribblers, in our situation, guys like Abdul Nader, then mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. But you know, if but yeah. if that's not what you know, if that's not what he's here to do, then you know, yeah, it could be frustrating. Okay, right. Let's let's go. Had, let's like, go to our big. Let's go to our big Thunder topic. Um, right. So we've talked about multiple times how the Thunder were in a basically impossible situation in terms of like what they had to work with in this free agency. And why, like, but all these moves are just their vet minimums, and there's really not, you know, there's not a lot of hope that these guys are going to really change the team. Um, so I thought we could go in and kind of break down why the Thunder are in this situation in the first place. Um, 
because you know, as a front office, really what you're always trying to do is maximize the value that you're getting from each player. And that value comes in the form of how much money each guy's making, right? So if you don't have a lot of guys that are overperforming what you're paying them, then you're not going to be a very good team. Like that's just literally how it is because, um, like, I mean, max players are generally guys that are outperforming that max contract. You know what I mean? Like Kawhi Leonard was a much better player than the max contract he was on this year. Like he was probably worth $60 million. Um, and so I was, I was thinking maybe we could go through each player's contract and salary and then kind of give a money monetary value to what we think that they provide to the thunder. And then we'll see like, that where that leaves them kind of money wise. And if they were all like properly paid, like what the thunder, like how much wiggle room they would have. Right. Okay. So do we want to start from the bottom of this salary or from the top? I think we should start at the bottom. Okay. So obviously um, just looking at basketball reference, um, you've got guys like Dante Grantham and Juwan Evans on two ways. Um, That's really nothing. They don't exist, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so you've got this year, Deontay Burton has $1.4 million that's not fully guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, that's another just, that's it is what it is. Nothing. That's yeah. yeah, he's making probably what he should. He is in the NBA, and that's like a minimum-ish salary. Right. So. Diallo's making the same amount, fully guaranteed. Again, I think that that's fine. Like he's a developing player. Like he's he showed some flashes. Like that's fine. Mm-hmm. Nader, on the other hand, right? Nader is Nader's got one point six million, not fully guaranteed. I'd be shocked if Nader's on the team. Right. So you can like you can imagine that the whatever the not guaranteed portion of the salary is, we can go and kick him to the bottom. Right. Um, and for that, you know, at that point, I'm to say he's not overpaid because he's not going to be paid. Um, Terrence Ferguson at 2.4 million a year, slightly, slightly more than a 10 year vet man. I think that that's probably, I think if, you know, you were really valuing what Terrence Ferguson does, I think he's probably more in the five to $6 million range. Yeah. So I I think he's probably underpaid at this point, which is very tip. Like that's generally what rookies that are good, like all rookies that are good are underpaid. underpaid. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? How much do you think he's worth? Uh, yeah, I would probably, I don't, I don't think I'm as, I love Terrence Ferguson's potential. I don't know that I'm necessarily as high on him as you are yet. Um, but I think probably like a 4 million. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think there's a question as to like what of his shooting is real or not. But like a plus defender who shot thirty six percent or whatever is yeah, yeah I would say that you know that's a starting two guard that's five or six million and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of development like the dude is twenty like right. he's incredibly young so like there's a lot of development for him to do so I think that that is and the good thing about him being so young and being kind of early in the development process is maybe he gets to that second contract and he, if he's still the same type of player he is now or just slightly improved, you can probably get him on a good contract for his second contract. Right. And then he, that's when he can probably really make a big jump. So I think that the, it's good value. He's on a good value contract right. and I think he's in a good spot. So here's a, here's a question. Um, you've got Nerlens, um, 
who we assume is probably signing a minimum. Right. Um, what would a minimum for him this year be? I think it's last around, year. It's, last year it would be one point seven mil. Yeah, I think it's probably around one point nine two million. Like I think right. his second year player option was worth one point nine. Um, okay. So yeah. I'm just let's just pencil him in for that. For yeah, so let's just say two million. Um, Though it's really, it's kind of strange. Well, I guess it's not that strange if he wanted to test the market and then discovered, oh, okay. But yeah. it's it's funny to me that he would decline that option and then just get paid the same amount. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, maybe they dipped into the mid level a little bit to get him. So, um, I I think he probably maxes out as like a three million play, dollar player. Like he's so sporadic with his defense like right and he struggles offensively like just a really inconsistent player so i i think he probably maxes out as like a three million dollar guy yeah i'd, I'd give him four million again i mean i i like okay. Maryland's. i think he provides good value gives you a, he can give you a good 20 minutes i think right i think you could, you could sign him for like four years four million and i wouldn't feel like you are massively overpaying him for how old he is. Um, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think we're all in agreement about that. Let's talk Ray at the 10-year oh, I'm not. I don't even care about talking about Ray. Out. Do we like even dude, think he is going to be on the team? No. Nah. Okay. I, I have well, Whether he's on the team or not, I don't care. He's not going to play. Like, I mean, I would much rather, like, let Jawan Evans be the third string yeah. point guard. I think if he's know? on the team, it's an overpay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's where so I'm at. So this is this is the <laughs> Ray Felton retire bitch podcast. Um, Patrick Patterson at five point seven million a year. I think yeah. he's a vet minimum guy now. He is absolutely yeah. borderline off the team. <laughs> like, right. agreed. Yeah. Right. So that's he's getting paid. Um, more he's than basically getting paid double. Money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, more than almost. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. almost taking up three vet minimums. So right. Okay, um, Jeremy Grant at nine point three million. I think that's underpay. an underpay. Yeah, I mean, I think, I he's, I think he's probably about was, a fifteen million a year player. But I was trying to think of contracts that just just got signed. So like, Terrence Ross, he's like four, 13 million a year, fourteen million a year. He's definitely better than Terrence yeah. Ross. Like I'd rather yeah. have him. So I mean, he's mm-hmm. at least fifteen million. I would say up to like. 16, 17, you could probably even convince me on 18 million a year. Oof. That's I, a lot. But I, think I, I could see a bad team paying Jeremy top. Grant that much. Yeah. I think 15 million is the most I would go for Jeremy Grant. Like, I he's not, like, he's a good player, but, like, he's still, like, I mean, he's not like this knock, like, teams don't respect him as a knockdown shooter. So, like, while he shot 39%, yeah. like, he doesn't. But, I mean, that's, that's, just a, that's just a time thing. I mean, I hope so. Like, that's sure. Like, I mean, but, like, I don't think any of us would be surprised if he comes out and shoots 32% from three next year. Right. Like, I, I'm not 100% sold that, like, he's just going to be a 38-plus percent three-point shooter for the rest of his career, right. you know? And he was also bad in the playoffs. Right. Like, so I, I, I think 15 is probably the max I would go for him. But so here, here you go. Here's some power forwards at 15. Marvin Williams, Bobby Portis. James Johnson, and then you right. got Derek Favors up at seventeen. 
Yeah, he's not as good as Derek Favors. You don't I think mean, so? Favors, I, I, Favors, I would Favors is a center. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we're obviously getting value for what we're paying him. Like, I think yeah, that that's right. good. Like, I think 15, 16, either way, like, we're underpaying Jeremy Grant, which is great. Right. Um, let's talk Dre at $10.7 I mean, if that guy came out, he's a vet minimum guy right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, if he were a free up. agent right now, but, I mean... He missed a whole season, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's too hard it's, to judge. Well, it's impossible to say definitively yeah. because we're talking about a guy who was like a lot of people's defensive player of the year favorite before he suffered mm-hmm. an injury. Yeah, I think I think that version of Andre Robertson is worth eight million. And I know that see that might seem low, but the guy just literally can't shoot mm-hmm. and like that that hurts the team like it just straight up does and it like it didn't affect them in the the regular season but like if you get into a playoff series that will destroy the team's offense like it just will right you know so like i to me like i wouldn't want to pay a guy like that more than eight million even as the elite defensive player that he is right and he's like i mean like the last time he was in the playoffs, he was getting fouled off the court. Right, exactly. He was really good in that series until they figured out that, like, oh, we can just foul him and then he can't play. You right. Know? So, so okay. Let's say, how much would Sam? How much would you be willing to pay Andre Robertson if you knew that you were getting that version of Andre? If Robertson? you're getting, you know, the most recent season he played, what, yeah, what, seventeen. Did he play all of seventeen, eighteen? That no, that was the year he got hurt. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the year he got hurt. So. Yeah. So I mean, I I would pay. I think the ten million is fair for. Cause when did? Yeah, I I would give him. I would say the ten million is fair if he is fully healthy and you know you're getting that you okay. know, first team all defensive player on your team. I. Cool. Um. Has Patrick Patterson or not Patrick Patterson? Patrick Beverly signed a contract yet? Yeah, he's on three for forty. Yeah, God, that's so much. Well over twelve million. A I year. mean, that dude's uh, almost a forty percent three point shooter, though. Like, yeah, that's the it's difference. so different. Yeah, right. I forget that he is actually good at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would probably say that Dre is probably like a six to eight million a year player. Yeah. Um, just because of his like the problem. If he could shoot free throws. Yeah, if, if he, he could, could shoot literally free throws, just shoot free throws. If he could shoot free throws, he would absolutely be worth what we're paying him right now. Because yeah. like we are talking about a guy, maybe the best perimeter defender in the league. Right. Um, yeah. All right, let's go let's go to the next guy. All right. Dennis Schroeder at fifteen and a half. Overpaid. Uh, it's very much overpaid. Yeah. I think at most I'm giving that dude eight million. Yeah, yeah. I I'm mean, you got. Fast. Yeah. I am really fast. Contract is set up flat this way. Um, What's going on? I missed you. I missed what you said there, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. That's, so Shooter makes Shooter is on. Uh, you know, he's got 
three years left and counting the year that just happened. So two years left, really. Yeah. Um, but like he's on a flat contract, and that's just right. I don't know why Atlanta structured his deal that way. That seemed odd to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good deal in that like it will be a better deal because the cap will go up. Right. And so that the value goes up when that it like doesn't escalate with the cap. So that's that's nice. But um, also but, still, but that he I was mean, they're massively overpaid, like what, two years ago when they handed them this, handed this to him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, a guy that like not a particularly good defender, especially off ball, like he's OK at the point of attack. But then he's so small, like if you have any kind of strength, you're going to overpower him. Not a great shooter, like he can get to the rim, but not a great finisher. So it's like. I think eight is like maxing out. I'd probably feel more comfortable around five or six for him. Yeah. If, if I'm mean, being honest. You got like DJ Augustine making seven, a little over seven. Would you rather have DJ Augustine back? I'd probably rather have Schroeder, I think. I mean, Augustine was just so bad here. Right. He's been he's been better pretty much everywhere else he was, though. Maybe it's just being playing for the Thunder makes you bad. Maybe we have a problem, yeah. guys. <laughs> maybe so but yeah there i mean i would shooter is i would maybe go up to nine i mean that's like okay. what george hill got a little over nine just now yeah red van vliet's oh, a little so about nine and a half i mean those guys. guys are way better players but right. so I, I would probably go up to nine alfred payton okay. got eight million. Oh god that's yeah it's on the deal. knicks so how do you evaluate that well, yeah yeah i would say if eight if alfred payton is making eight million dennis Schroeder can make eight million i'm fine with that okay All um right. but again we're talking about a guy who in this case is being paid somewhere between like 67 to 100 percent more than he should be paid right yeah uh steve 25.8 million this 25. year 25.8 uh, love the guy but so I much. mean, if if he could even, like I said, all during the Portland series, if he could even just like get his floater game down, I mean, he gets closer to meeting that value. Like right. if he can, if you have to honor a pick and roll with him and Russell Westbrook, like if he could get a floater game down and then, you know, Russ, even just a mid range pull up back, th- that's an elite pick and roll. So I think, if he could improve just ever so slightly, he's a max or not a max player. But I mean, he's closer to that contract. But I would say, oh, probably eighteen million. Okay. Right as he is right now. Hey, this is good. This is good because we we have a pretty big discrepancy here. I've got him. I've got him at ten. Whew. You're just, I, um... you're just in the full on in the not paying centers camp then. I, I don't want to pay centers, but I also I think about like I'm comparing him to a guy like Yusuf Nurkic, and I think Nurkic is a better player um, than you Steven Adams. Nurkic Obviously, be- yes. I I disagree. Okay, cool. So you're wrong twice in one podcast. Cool. Um, Glad you brought that up because I've been looking up advanced statistics to prove my point on Tobias Harris, and they are pretty much the exact same player. But continue. Okay, I mean that's fine. It's <laughs> just like a more diverse offensive score. All right, whatever. Um, all right, cool. Uh, no, I, I absolutely think Nurkic is a better player than Steven Adams when his legs not snap in half. Like, absolutely. Like, first of all, he wins that battle every time. That's not a great, great way to look at it. But Nurkic was legitimately like 
he was probably Portland's second best player for the majority of the season. Like that was a real thing. And they were a better basketball team than the thunder, you know? So I think Nurkic is a better player than Steven Adams. Um, he's a more skilled offensive player. Um, maybe not quite. He's a better rim protector than Steve. Like he's not the perimeter guy that can move as much as Steve, but like I would rather have, I mean, not at this point necessarily, but like, for what they give you, give me Yusuf Nurkic. To me, also I'm team. Oh, I'm ahead. team. No paying. I don't want to pay my center more than like twelve million. Like yeah, right? that 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 camp is fine to be in. The Yusuf Nurkic over Stephen Adams camp. I don't know if I can get behind that ever. I'm okay. trying. I'm trying to suppress like my hatred of Yusuf Nurkic to like judge this fairly. I will say one thing is that. I think we're like when we talk about Steven Adams, like this is a player who people really wanted to see make an all-star team last year, yeah. like which was ridiculous and wasn't ever going to happen. But like he declined so much in the second half of the season, like and like that's that's like an every year thing now. Like I right. think you have to count on that happening. Like it's literally happened the last three years. Like, I yeah. don't, I don't know how you can look at it and think that, oh, well, maybe next year it won't happen. Like it's happened three years in a row. The year that it didn't happen, we had Canner and Kevin freaking Durant. You know what right. I mean? Right. Like, I, I mean, I think it's happening because we're playing him too much, but um, like it has been happening. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and like, it might be like, also, I think I might be being unfair in that. Nurkic is underpaid. Like Jonas Valanciunas just got fifteen million a year, right? And I think Steve Nurkic is much better than Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, and Steve is better than Jonas Valanciunas. Like, so I was like looking at one guy. Like, I think I am undervaluing him, but I also am just team don't pay centers unless they're Joel Embiid or even like an Al Horford. Like, I want my center to be like a player that is good in any situation if I'm going to pay him a lot of money. Right. Um, also, I didn't realize Cap- I knew Capella didn't get as much as I thought he should have. He's only getting fifteen million, so I'm bumping my Stephen Adams money down yeah. to fifteen million. But right. still, yeah, yeah. No, I think you you shouldn't pay Steve more than Capella. Um, which is not. I go back and forth on Steve and Capella, um, but a lot of that is just because like there are also a lot, there's so many things that I think Steve could do. Um, right. Right. Um, like I think that he could become like a really good interior passer and he could become a very developed, uh, post player. And like, he mm-hmm. could learn how to shoot free throws. Um, yeah, I don't think that's happening. He's I don't getting, either, but he's it's getting weird worse that, at them. No, I understand. Like, I don't think it's happening either, but it's weird that it isn't right. right. He's so skilled in other ways. Right. Um, yeah, this is, this is sad. Can we move on? Next, yeah, it's not going to get less sad. I know. I, I just want to get it. Get it. Oh, shit. Emmanuel Moutier has agreed to a deal with the Jazz. That's They're just signing everybody. Yeah. That's, I, didn't, I don't even understand why they how, want him. How? What does their roster look like now? They, I mean, they have a lot of good basketball. I mean, Moutier is not particularly good, but like. Right, but it's that's just weird. All right, let, let, all right, let's let's keep going. Let's keep like, going. Yeah, like okay. 
Paul George, 33 million, honestly, probably underpaid. I'm going to yeah, say it's 40 million a year guy. I'm going to say 35 at most. Um, I think this season he was like a 40 million dollar guy. Um, but I am also of the belief that we will never see this version of Paul George again. Um, so I think 33 is probably about right personally. Um, but that, that's where I'm at with him. Right. I, um, I mean, I just, you look at him as like a perennial first team, all defense guy, a perennial, like a guy who could be a 50, 40, 90 guy. He just put in the fifth best three point shooting season of all time. Yeah. No, I mean the, the majority of the season, like the guy was playing on like a Kevin Durant level, but I'm just like, go back and look at his stat. Like he's never been this player before. Right. Right. And then like all year, like I was expecting some kind of downturn at some point. And then it happened immediately after he hurt his shoulder against Denver. And like, he was probably like a $25 million player after that point. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so like, I think if he comes back healthy, like cool, but shouldn't we expect him to be the player that he was for every other year of his career? Even if he comes back healthy, like, I just don't see how, like, we're talking about a guy that was had never hit any really big-time shots, and then he was just hitting, like, every one he took this year up until he hurt his shoulder, and now are we just ex- assuming that that's going to keep happening? Sam, what do you think? About um, not assuming, but, I mean, you would, you would like to think so. I mean, the trajectory he was on, you would think if, that was his prime last year. Like you would think he's still minus the shoulder injury. Like you think he has one more year staying up there. You don't think it's, uh, you would hope it's not an immediate decline. Like, I don't even necessarily, I don't know if I would look at it as like a decline. I like, I just think guys have career years, you know? And like, I think that was his career year. And like, I mean, cause think about after his first year with the thunder, like, there were legitimately people thinking, should we even pay this guy? And then all of a sudden, he's basically Kevin Durant for like two-thirds of the season. Those people, like, the people saying that were not smart. They, they were wrong, absolutely. But at the same time, it's like, or at the very least, like they're thinking, did was giving up Oladipo the right decision? Like Because what Oladipo did in Indiana was huge. Um, so I, I don't know. I tend to just think that like we're probably going to get something – more along the lines of the like 23 points per game type guy on that kind of efficiency rather than a guy that just had one of the best three point shooting seasons of all time and was hitting game winners left and right. Like I, I just, I'm skeptical on whether or not that will ever happen again for him, especially yeah, I, like, mean, I think, go ahead. Well, I mean the dude's coming, he's having sh- two shoulder surgeries this off season and like, there are people that don't even think he'll play for a month or two to start the year. Like, and first of all, if that happens, Thunder just aren't making the playoffs. Like, count them out, like, now. Um, but, like, I don't know. Coming off of a, an offseason where he's not going to really get to work out that much, like, I'm just not optimistic about him doing that again. Yeah, for sure. I think it's all dependent on how bad the injury is, how he rehabs from surgery. But, I mean, last year, yeah. 28 points. 38.6 from three. Like, I think it's not out of the, I think it's 
definitely in his most likely range of outcomes that he's, you know, a 25 points per game guy and can get his three-point percentage back up to 40%. Like, I think that's fine. I think that's a guy worth paying $40 million. Right. I mean, to me, the, like, I look at this season versus last season, um, and I don't know. To me, the biggest thing that happened is that his usage went up. Um, right. He, he maintained the same efficiency on higher usage. Now, that usage is more in line with what he was getting in Indiana. Um, yeah. Wow. Oh, wait. No, that's... I was about to say something incredible, but that was the season he only played six games. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Like... I don't think it's necessarily completely unsustainable for him to have another year like that because he didn't like the biggest outlier to me is that he took four more field goals a game. Um, right. He made, uh, you know, and they were all threes basically. Well, no, two of them were threes. Right. Um, he, um, he shot what you would expect him to shoot from the line. He got to the line more often. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I mean, his rebounding is all over the place. This he had a career year rebounding, which is weird. Um, yep. But yeah, I don't think it's impossible for him to play like this ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I a, a couple other things I look at, like I don't know if these, like he, his assist percentage went up, mm-hmm. not an insignificant amount, um, and his turnover percentage went down. So like. Maybe that continues, and he's just going to be an overall more efficient player in that regard as well. Like, which would be great. Like, sure, I hope that's the case. Um, I'm just a little, I'm a little skeptical of that happening. Like last year was just like you look at all the advanced stats and just his impact. Like if you look at win shares, like it wasn't even close. Like it was so much better than his other years. You know, so right. yeah, I'm. I don't know, man. I right. well, I, I expect to see a guy that's putting up yeah. like maybe twenty four, twenty five. Okay. You know, the one, like, th- yeah, the one thing, and obviously, you know, coming off of two soldier, shoulder surgeries is going to like less dampen the impact at this point. But like his, like his wind shear numbers um, are like the year most in line with his wind shear numbers is the year before he got hurt, right? So I don't know. To me, there's a degree in which his numbers almost look like there was a reset point at his injury, and he's getting back to yeah. where he should be as, as a prime player. Yeah. But that's I mean, also but, like yeah. the most optimistic take on these stats. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely optimistic, and I, I think I've shown over and over again that I, I'm just not going to be the optimistic person on this right. podcast. So um, do you want to get the, to the last guy? If we have to. All right. Russell Westbrook making 38.2 million a year. Cool. Uh, a lot of dollars. All right. Sam, where are you at? Um, I'm probably somewhere in like the 30 million range. Okay. I'd say 30 million. Okay. Ryan. <coughs> uh, hang on. I am. I know that you're wanting to go last so that you can, uh, Tell us that you would pay him like twenty million. Give him Dennis Schroeder's contract. Alex uh, would rather have Eric Bledsoe than Russell Westbrook. You heard it here first. <laughs> I can just go ahead and go. That's fine. 
sorry, I was just looking up to see how much Ricky Rubio was getting paid. Like fifteen um, million. Oh, right. No. Um, so I, I I do think Rush should make significantly more than Ricky Rubio. I think twenty yeah. five million is totally valid for a guy who leads the league in assists every you know the past two years. Leads the league in assists. What you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who like? Obviously, the shooting is bad, um, and it's probably enough to like say this is not a player worth a super max, um, or even necessarily a max. But you know, there's plenty of stuff he can do that is worth paying him money. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm gonna throw. I would say 18 million for Russ. All right. Um, so yeah, I think he's being overpaid by about 20 million. Um, and so I, I hear what you're saying with like the assists and all that. And I think that that's a really cute stat. It's great. Um, but here's the deal. Like the guy is the quarterback. Everything that this offense accomplishes is pretty much through him, right? Like he does everything for this offense, unless Paul George is doing ISO shit. Like it's Russell Westbrook, right? And Russell Westbrook, effectively, he quarterbacked a below-average offense last year. You know what I mean? Like, he led the league in assists, and that led to the Thunder having the 17th-best offense in the league last year. You know? And, like, so if my point guard has the ball all the time and is in charge of getting everybody involved, and you've got Paul George next to you having a freaking career year, Jeremy Grant shooting 39% from three, and I mean, I don't think Steven Adams is bad. Like he's an okay player. And we had the 17th ranked offense. Like that's bad. Like I, I don't think there's any other way to look at that as bad. What do you guys think of this? Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I think it's funny that you're giving Russell Westbrook, Reggie Jackson money. <laughs> I mean, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Reggie Jackson's like, Eight million or something, you know. So no, like, he's eighteen million. Uh, oh, well, you're I know, he's I know worth that, eight dude. million. I got you. That's probably an overpay, but like, yeah, like I, I mean, honestly, like I think that eighteen is probably about right for a guy like, and it's not like he's quarterbacking the a below average offense and then really contributing defensively. Like, right, like he's a below average defender, and like I just I can't except that as a guy that is an all like I do not think he is a a superstar caliber player like he just isn't at this point and it's not like this has been the case like he wasn't that great the year before either you know like this is not a one-year deal um like this is going on two years and it just so happens that it's a point guard who is 30 years old you know like that's not that's the number that everybody always throws out there with point guards, right? Is like once a point guard becomes thirty, it's a little iffy, right? Like, right. That's what I'm. That's what I'm seeing, and I've seen that like ever since he had that year where it was just like the most outrageous, outrageous usage thing ever. I see a guy that is unable to be a an effective part of an above average offense. And like that just can't be your point guard. That can't be the most high usage player on your team, you know. Yeah, that's fair. So that's where I'm at. Like, and like honestly, let's let's look at this too. Like, what would the consensus like? Because I think at this point, the consensus on Russell Westbrook, he's a pretty overrated player at this point. 
what would that opinion be if he wasn't a triple-double machine? Like, if he wasn't grabbing rebounds, like, what would people, like, would people be as high on Russell Westbrook as they are? I don't think they would. And yeah, like, I mean, I, think, I, don't, I don't really think people are that high on Russell Westbrook anymore, other than Thunder fans. Like, if a guy's still averaging, you know, 20, how many points did he average? 22. Yeah, 22 and 11. Like, I think yeah. people still value him. I think people... Well, I mean, okay, I mean, the guy was still third-team All-NBA. Like, right. obviously, enough people think he's doing great things. And I just, I'm like, this team has improved by one win for the last two years after him carrying them through the season. And we did that with Paul George playing like Kevin Durant for two-thirds of a season. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's... It's not good. I'm this like Russ. This is this is not this is not going in a good direction. His offensive rating this year was 105 after 109 the previous year. Like that's those aren't great numbers, you know. Like he he had an offensive rating of 112 in his MVP season, and we had shit around him to do anything else. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. Like the, I mean, I, I, I good. The, the dude is declining. Like I don't think there's any other way to look at it, and like. I think he's at a, he's a, he's worth 18 million right now. I think it's likely that he's probably worth 15 million next year. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, it depends how you're just looking at raw numbers. Like I, 30 million puts him at the ninth, tenth highest paid point guard, and I think that's about where he is skill wise mm-hmm. now. So, I mean, it just really depends what you're how we're putting tangible dollar values right. onto intangible things such as you know just skill yeah no this is i mean it's hard because really i mean the way value is determined like you're you're worth what you get someone to pay you like that that's absolutely correct but like i'm just thinking of this in a as if like you're just assigning a dollar amount like his impact on the game just objectively in a vacuum like that's how i'm kind of trying to look at it and it's like I don't know. I don't see a lot of value there. Yeah, well, I right? think in a vacuum, he's still you know a top eight point guard, top ten point guard in the league. In a team setting, though, right, he absolutely right, kills right. you a lot of the time, and he definitely doesn't make things easier on the guys around him anymore. Right. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. I have. I have major major concerns. Um, so can we do some math now? I have numbers. Go for it. Add them up. Okay, so... You seeing what our payrolls are at? Well, I was just going to like kind of average out what we were willing to give, and then that would kind of determine where the overall Thunder payroll would be if they were getting what they should get. So can one of you guys get like a calculator out? Yeah, I got, you. I got one. All right. I'm mad at you, but I've got one. Why, why are you mad? I don't know. Well... $18 million is not a lot That's, of money. Yeah. <laughs> if Russell Westbrook is an $18 million a year a player, Sam Presti should be fired, and it's not even a question. A, really, the only thing going through my head was, how is Alex ever going to sign free agents? <laughs> no, I'm not saying, like, okay, I'm not saying if I were Sam Presti, I, know, I wouldn't I know. give him the contract. Like, right. at the time of, Russ, of Westbrook's contract, it was the right move. Like, that's what makes this shitty, and that's why it sucks. No, is I that agree. 
as soon as he signed his max contract, he became a significantly worse basketball player. Like that's literally what happened. Like I'm not yeah. making this up and I'm not like being, I don't think I'm being like super unreasonable. No, no. Like, I just I'm just, it's, it's very unfortunate that the one superstar we got stuck with is the one whose game declines the fastest. Right. And it like, sucks to I, think about. Some people would have assumed that that would happen. Like, and that was always the case. Like a lot of people thought this would happen. I always, I was like a kind of thinking like, Oh, I think Russ could age reasonably well. Um, it just hasn't happened. Like he's right. He's a significantly well, worse player. So one thing about Russ that obviously needs to change is his usage, um, which is still the highest on the team, even though it's the lowest it has been in his career since he was in his sophomore season. Right. Um, but it's that's a thing that is trending down. Um, it's not like I just. Russ is not worth his contract, but if he learns to play within himself, he's definitely worth more than $18 million a year. He's a better point guard than Reggie Jackson. Okay, and like, I'm not saying, like, I am by no means saying Reggie Jackson's an $18 million point guard. Like, he absolutely isn't. Like, if we're just doing this exercise, like, this is how I'm looking. I'm not trying to compare him to what guys that got overpaid are. You know what I mean? Like, and look at, like, if you're just looking at PER, the dude was a 21 this year. Like, that was his worst since his literal sophomore year, like his second year. Right. Well, but PER is really related pretty, it correlates pretty heavily to usage. Um, and that is exactly sure. what we would predict to see. This yeah, was but his second it, lowest, it, this was his third lowest usage season, it's his third lowest PER season. That's awesome. But it's like significantly lower. Like, look at four years ago. It's significantly lower and his usage was barely higher. That's true. Like, like that I, to me, that was Russ's like actual best season. Like, in terms of playing within the team, like I thought he was great that year. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, that guy, like his obviously his usage or when his usage was higher, his PER was higher as well. But like, it dipped significantly. It's not supposed to go down by six points when your usage drops six percent. It's not. That's not what PER is supposed to do, and it has. Right. Well. Yeah, but also his MVP season, the guy who came up with PER said that he had broken the stat. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. I mean, like people I don't point know. to his 2016 season to invalidate PER as a stat, period. All right. Cool. I'm just like, the dude is literally, he's below his, his career average in that statistic. He shot, true shooting was 50%. Which, again, worst season since his second year in the league. And that's not, like, by an, a little number. Like, it was two percentage points lower than the year before, which was right. three percentage points lower than the previous two years. His free throw rate, lowest in his career this year. You know, like, things are not trending in a good way with Russell Westbrook. Like, that's that's what I'm saying. And... Yeah, I, I I will stand by my. Hey, if he comes out and leads us to even like a six seed next year, I will feel better about where we're at because I literally do not expect us to make the playoffs next year. Right. I legitimately just think if Russ could get back his mid range jumper, like I think he's back to a top six point guard in the league. Like I think if he can create any sort of gravity, like the fact that he. Averages 23 points a game. I mean, most of it has to do with usage and just the sheer volume at which he takes mm -hmm. shots. But, like, if he could just create any sort of gravity on a pick and roll, 
Like, I think he's worth the money, like, of an elite point guard. Yeah. But he's, he's, he, just, but he's, but he's not that. But he's not that he's right not now. He's not doing it. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I don't – and I, I, we can keep going a little bit on this. Like, I other one complaint that I hear about the Thunder is that – they like we've said we've they've run Steven Adams into the ground like basically the last three years right mm-hmm. we all agree on that that's sure um, they overplayed Paul George last year they overplayed Russ last year and like they have never been a team that's been able to manage their players minutes because things are so erratic all the time they're just not able to be consistent enough within the course of a game in order to blow teams out like this is our biggest complaint with them. Um, these past three years, basically, is that we don't trust them at all. And I think that that is a lot of that responsibility is on Russell Westbrook, the guy who has his, who has the ball in his hands more than anybody. Right. Because, like, we're, we look at usage and, like, yeah, it's, it's lowered, but, like, the assist percentage is still freaking astronomical, you know? Like, yeah. 46.5%. Like, that's still ridiculously high. Um. And so, like, the ball is in Russell Westbrook's hands when he's in, on the court. Now, whether or not he's fully, like, using the, pers- the pos- possession, he is at the very least creating what is happening on each possession for the Thunder. Right. It's, and it's, like, I'm, look- I'm now looking at NBA.com stats um, to bring up potential assists, which he averages 20 a game. Um, his assist to potential assist, assist ratio is LeBron, um, essentially. Um, it's better than Chris Paul's. It's better than Ben Simmons. Cool. That's great. Yeah, I mean, so like, well, we've like, got to make we've got to make shots around him. But are we going to do that? Uh, probably not. I, I would. I, I mean, would guess not. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I don't know. I just I don't know. I guess I might just feel some comfort in just shitting all over the thunder, so I can go into next year and just be negative about it. So, because I I I guess I will find satisfaction if it does go poorly in being right, and so that's I think that's where I'm at right now. So, right. um, so yeah, let's add these numbers up. Okay, I did a rough. I did a rough estimate based on what i remembered but go ahead and if you read me the numbers what we all said all right so i'm going back i'm gonna exclude abdel nader yeah i didn't have i had burton diallo i got got all the numbers here yeah all right so 1.6 okay 2.3 is this all for what are you this is all for burton or what, what are you doing here I'm just rolling player by player. So 1.6 okay. was Burton. Okay. Fourteen, thirty-seven, and let's say twenty-seven. 
So All I tried. Right. I tried to go in like between like. I tried to kind of average out all three of our answers. Right. Okay. I, I remembered different numbers from earlier. Right. With, with those yeah. numbers, you got the the Thunder at 126 million still. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, but they're they're under the tax at that point, I believe. So they're not in this like super hellish situation that they have to cut money, and they would have, I believe, a full mid level exception to work right. with in that regard. And you'd probably be able to add, add a really nice player because the mid-level is at like $9 million a year. So like that that's George Hill. That's somebody really pretty solid. So um, that's kind of where, yeah. So I, And like to me, like my numbers obviously would have been lower, but like I tried to veer on the side of like, I tried to go higher to the top end. Or I tried right. to lean towards yeah. the top end of what we were saying. Um, like I've, 27 for Russ and it like if we were to average it all out it would have been lower than that for right. all three of our answers but right and that's still like like I think some of those are definitely realistic contracts like Schroeder like you know like we were talking about comparing it in a vacuum versus you know what the market value is for these guys like yeah. I think I think Schroeder's is very commensurate to what his actual skill is and the people around that could actually be making something like that. I think mm-hmm. everything that we came up with is fairly realistic other than Russ, you know, that 27 million, that's like Drew Holiday money. And I think right. that's just like, like we talked about, unrealistic to expect them to give that to him. Right. right. But I mean, other than yeah. that, it's all fairly realistic and, mm-hmm. you know, I think just illustrates the bad well, and then, like, contracts. Part, and I think part of we have to consider like how high that number was. Is that like Paul George literally can't be paid thirty-seven million, and that's what I said because you were like, "Oh, he's worth 40. So right, right. right. So that that was like it literally can't be that high. So that's you're getting value at that point either mm-hmm. it, either anyway. So um, yeah, I I just thought that was like a, an interesting experiment to kind of go through and like look at how much we would actually pay each player. And, you know, because right now the Thunder are just in a ridiculously bad cap situation, you know, like they were literally trying to sell their pick off to get off money. Like, and that's not, that's never a good situation to be in. And so I just kind of wanted to look at why they're in that situation. Right. This is um, our spirited discussion about Russ. um, And this is something uh, Sam said, sort of got me thinking about this. How many guards are worth the max how many point guards are worth the max would you say um i mean i'd say steph dame Kyrie, i mean maybe kimba i guess that's who i would say are worth the max like skill wise at this i mean are we are we what is james harden in this situation Oh yeah, I would yeah, he counts as a point guard. guard. Then yeah, I, I, I should say, like defining players in terms of like creative guards, wings, and bigs. Okay, um, yeah, so he's definitely a creative guard, right? Like um, James Harden and Clay Thompson are different types of players, even though they're a similar size and nominally both twos. Right. Yeah, Clay's more of a of a wing. I agree. Yeah, I think that's probably where you come out there. Um, yeah, um, in terms of like 30% max, I think that's yeah. probably the list. How many wings then? 
Uh, I mean, I think Paul George is one. Uh, Kevin Durant is one. Whether or not he's a big is whatever. Uh, I, Kawhi. I, I, I would include stretch four type players as wings and not bigs. Right. Uh, yeah, Kawhi is definitely there. Uh, Giannis, for right. sure. LeBron. Um, yeah, LeBron. I mean, yeah, sure. so we're talking talking worth worth it, you know, in the same sense that we were trying to evaluate Russell Westbrook. I think that's getting close to being it. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. Right. And then how many bigs? Uh, Embiid uh, and Jokic. Jokic. And I guess Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, Davis for sure. I, I'm close on Towns. Right. But probably yeah. not. I mean, Towns, no. you're paying for... You're still... He's great, but he hasn't done it yet. Like, he hasn't been... Yeah. You're paying for what he can develop. You're still waiting too. for the defense to come along. Right. Right. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Towns for that. So we've come up with a list of, like, 15 players, maybe, who are worth a right. max contract. And this well, and is why like, the NBA is a disaster. That's well, literally the problem. Disaster, but that's why the... This is That's, not. This shouldn't be a surprising situation for the Thunder no. to be in, right? No, like you have to pay the best players on your team to keep them, otherwise you just don't have good players. Right. So, like, what I'm saying, like, I don't think paying Russell Westbrook was the wrong decision at the time. I'm just saying that it hasn't worked out clearly, right. and that's the situation they find themselves in because of that not working out. So, right. And I, I, I guess my point there is that like we shouldn't be that surprised that a team ended up in this situation. And it wasn't because like anybody was bad at their job. No, it wasn't. It wasn't bad management. No, I agree. I agree. So yeah, get get excited, guys, for the for the lottery next year. That's going to be cool. I mean, there's like a lot of players in the draft. There, like, I like. there's a legitimate chance that the Thunder end up high in the lottery if they miss the playoffs. So like, actually, do get excited if that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go get Cole Anthony. Maybe an underpaid <laughs> point guard. I don't know if we're gonna be Thunder gonna be that high in the lottery. Maybe okay. twenty five wins in the lottery. Hey, get lucky. That's all you gotta do is you just gotta. I get mean, lucky. that's true. Adam Silver really needs to rig the lottery two years in a row to show that tanking doesn't matter. So stop doing it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right, man. I think that's that's we've gone for a long time. Obviously. Yeah. If anyone's made it all two plus hours of this, oh Godspeed. God, I just saw the timer. Okay. Thanks for listening. Um, We'll be back again probably within the week because there's going to be more free agency news. Um, And eventually we'll start talking about OU football, I guess. We've sort of just become this, like, iconoclastic Thunder podcast, um, which I'm not sure that our, like, OU fan fan base was interested in discovering in their feeds. But that's where we're at. I also – I really just don't care. Like, I just – there's just we, no, we don't. There's not a lot to say. There's, like, there's no more trades. All the right. trades are done. Well, it's also like we don't live in the same area anymore. So if like we don't get to talk about these things, right? So no. that's that's really what the reason this is happening is because we don't get to talk about this stuff unless we do a podcast about it, right? So I mean, we could. And this is wild. We could do a Skype call and not record it. But then did you do a Skype call? Come on, Ryan. That's the thing. 
is that if we're to, you know if we're doing this we might this as is well for us it. and if we record it we might as well put it in our feed uh, why not yeah all right this podcast uh, was so long i watched an entire spurs grizzlies summer league game and now the next one after it is almost through the first quarter damn <laughs> also damn. spurs summer league team looking pretty good how does lonnie walker look he looks very good him, Luka Samanich. I was I was all in on Luka Samanich watching just now. Kelton like, Johnson like hit him. a shot beyond half court, like buzzer beater. It was nice. Kelton Johnson Man. played really well. Um, summer league all around, pretty brutal. That being said, I would like to go to Vegas someday to watch. Same. Be fun. Yeah. All right, yeah. man. It's a shame they're cracking down on credentials. Right. Yeah, we, we should go try to. We should we try to get, get the podcast. The podcast bubble has burst. You can't just right. get credentials anymore, right? Which is a sh- like that's such a dumb thing to be like concerned about. It's summer league, right? Okay. Um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at Alex P Purdy, at R W Maxi, and at Not That Sam Davis. Um, and we'll see you again soon.